0: Hello and welcome back to Anointed Fire. My name is Tiffany Buckner and today's message is takers don't stop taking until they start giving. And what I want to talk about is something I've witnessed or what have you. So I always tell people I'm I'm a patterns person and it's not just looking or studying the patterns of an individual, but it's studying the patterns of general society as a whole. I feel like I should have done statistics and stuff like that at some point, but I'm a patterns person. That's how God has me wired. We all have a why and when you're a patterns person, it makes it difficult if you wanna be on if I wanna be honest, uh, for you to commit to friendships with certain people or with most people because at the end of the day you will start to see their patterns. You'll start noticing their patterns of behavior. And it's not to say that it's difficult or you you don't want to have friends, it is to say that you're gonna pick up on patterns or what have you and you'll start telling people, Hey, listen, you got a habit of doing this and you need to stop that or what have you. Um but it is to say also that typically whenever you do build friendships with people, you're going to be a really good friend, and there typically they are going to be some really good people, you know, people who don't mind accountability. And when I say accountability, because I'm being very careful, I'm not saying that I'm walking around looking for folks that I can call out on stuff, because for the most part, you know, I think I have amazing friends, and I never have to say anything. I never, you know, have you. but I'm talking about whenever I do come across people who are relatively problematic. Okay, I think I can say it this way. I think the easiest way to say this is most people are consumers. Um, And we find that in statistics, most people are consumers. It is very rare to come across a producer. So most patterns people are producers. So the 1% of the world owns 38.5% of the world's wealth. 1% of the people in the world own 38.5% of the world's wealth, Wealth, um, which means that they are producers, which also means that about what 61.5% of the world are consumers, they're takers. Another word for consumer is taker. Um, another word for producer is solutionist. And so another word for consumer is going to be complainer as well. Hey, uh, we, we out of this, we need this, or what have you. But a solutionist runs towards problems, and they're looking to f- solve them. A consumer runs from problems, you know that where they look for solution is to solve them, so they'll come along and they'll take, take, take. So with that being said, I've noticed a pattern. I've noticed a pattern, and it started. This pattern I started noticing it when I was a young girl, and so that is to say that, like I said, it's in my wiring. It's not something that, um, it's not something that you know I just started doing because of trauma or nothing. No, I started this when I was a little girl. Whereas when we, were, when I was a kid. We were getting public stamps. My family has always been on public assistance. And it's not just my immediate family, but my extended family as well. That was a curse in my family. Now, I'm not against public assistance. I just think that when it comes to it, you shouldn't stay there. You know, it should just be, you know, if you're down and out and you need some help, go get yourself some public assistance. But you shouldn't stay there because the longer you stay there, the more you begin to rely on the government, you rely on others. And not only that, start taking on a victim's mindset. And you become manipulative. So you'll find, for example, you know, the areas I grew up in, the people I grew up around, you'll find a lot of manipulation. You'll find a lot of gaslighting. A good example is um, you'll find people putting other folks on their taxes, you know, because, hey, that's the norm. You'll find, for example, come tax season, hey, can I put your kids on my taxes? You'll find that when it comes to, let's say, when you start going into Let's say if a woman is getting um, housing, you'll find that she may have her boyfriend living in that house, in the housing. Even though, you know, she may have kids and all this other stuff, but she'll have her boyfriend living in that housing. He's not supposed to be there. She's not going to tell them that he's there, but she will have her boyfriend living with her. And, you know, he may have income coming in, but she's not going to, because that would affect her assistance. She's not going to report him, report that she has you know, his income coming in because they would cut off her assistance. So I'm saying that to say that, and it's not to say that rich people can't be shaved because I know somebody is going to be ready to come from my juggler, but well, rich folks be feeling too. Rich folks be doing this. No, a lot of times they find ways around um, systems that are not necessarily cheating. they just going to make sure they're educating themselves. Uh, one, and I'm talking about legal ways, guys. I'm not talking about, I'm not saying that, oh, what they do is right and what uh, somebody who is relying on assistance does is wrong because there are some thieving, uh, some thieving wealthy folks out there, just like there are some people in public assistance who try to do everything integrally. Typically the ones that try to do things integrally don't stay there because they are, because of a mindset. So that's what I'm dealing with on today is a mindset. So what motivated, it? well, let's go back to my childhood. When I was a young girl, I went to my mom. I was 11 years old, maybe. I think I was between 11 and 12 years old. I went to my mom because we were on food stamps. And we had been, you know, we had gotten on food stamps and stuff for a while. My mom was very intentional. My mom would always try to make sure that she could provide. Even though my dad lived there with us or what have you, Um, my mom and dad were married. My dad didn't like to work. And my mom and him, they would fight about it all the time. He'd get a job and he wouldn't stay on that job long he would get fired, Um, he would quit, you know, what have you, he will get hurt on the job and my mom was just over it. She was just frustrated or what have you. So my mom would always work two jobs. My mom did not like, you know, handouts. She didn't like looking to anybody, leaning to anybody for anything. Um, So I remember going to my mom because, you know, she had three children and she could not afford to take care of all three of those kids. She was trying to... But the bills were eating up everything. So it was like all of her paycheck had to go towards bills. Um, And then even then, sometimes it wasn't enough.
1: And um,
0: sorry, guys, I'm driving. But even then, it wasn't enough. So she had to, you know, swallow her pride and go and get on public assistance. And what she did, she wasn't happy about it, but it is what it is. She wanted to make sure she was um, feeding her kids. But I remember... Going to my mom after, you know, going to school and hearing kids, you know, talk about other kids who were on food stamps, even though they themselves were on food stamps. If you want to be honest, the majority of them, we were living in a poor neighborhood, we were broke. Um, the majority of them were on food stamps. And you may say, how do you know? Because I came across them at the store carrying around food stamps or what have you. I remember this one particular thing. He used to be the ringleader of making fun of kids on food stamps. He used to be the ringleader. You should have saw that with that book I was a kid and, you know, they had their pool the staff got out of their backpack or something like that. He was a ringleader. I remember going to the store. I remember the name of the store was Bing. I went to Bing one day with my mom, and sure enough, I come across him. He's standing up there at the cash register with his mom, and she's ringing and stuff out, and I come walking up to him, and I'm like, and I'll make up a name for him. I'm like, hey, Joe. And he's like, he starts looking ashamed, and I was thinking to myself, like, why is he looking like that? Because normally, you know, at school, you know, he's very upbeat, very excited, or what have you. But he just seemed, you know, like he didn't want me around him. He wasn't mean. He just seemed very uninterested. And I was like, hey, Joe, how are you? And he was like, I'm good. And he just kept on trying to bag the stuff and look away. And um, that's when I saw, when the lady gave his mom the total, I saw her pay in the who's always clowning people, not this dude who's always making fun of people on food stamps. As a matter of fact, I saw Joe and Bing on two different occasions, um, and I think his mom was passing food stamps one time, and another time I remember seeing him at the, like, the prop part, like the service at part, I remember seeing him holding food stamps away. So I was at that age and that stage where identity was important to me, but I don't even think that was a major thing. The major thing for me was I didn't like relying on anybody for anything, even though I even I was a kid, I was relying on my mom obviously. I didn't like the idea of us relying on anybody. I just didn't. I didn't like the idea and I think I maybe picked that up from my mom. I didn't like the idea of us relying on anybody. And deep down within my heart, I just said we would never stop, you know, relying on people if we relied on people, if that makes sense. So that was that I went to my mom and I said to her mom, Can you stop getting food stamps? My mom talked about that all the way up to her dad. You know, she she would laugh about, I uh, came up to her one time, and I said, Mom, can you stop getting food stamps? And then um, whenever she did stop, and she did stop because I told her to, because they would cut her food stamps on and off. They would say sometimes she made too much money or what have you. But at one point, it stopped, and we didn't have any food in the house. And I think it had stopped a couple of months, and we were just, you know, having to live, eat off of her paycheck. And I walked up to her one day. Mom, can you go back and get on full steps? So she never let me live that down. She always talked about that over oh, happy. But fast forward, I ended up getting married some years later. Uh, well, obviously when I became a young lady, I ended up getting married. And my ex got laid off from his job. He had a really good job, a really good paying job at the time. And um, I was working at Walmart. Well, he ends up getting laid off from his job while, you know, we were living in a rental. We had a house. We were renting and what happened. But he ended up getting laid off from his job, and listen, I didn't know what to do. But at the end of the day, you know, we had to try to make make it work with my paycheck. And um, I ended up going, I found a company that was hiring because I started having some major problems at Walmart with management. I started having some major problems. Um, so I ended up getting, going through the newspaper, Reached out to them and um, my ex and I think he found out. I'm not sure who found out about it, but I just remember we found out about Tom Walla. We called, we found out the details, and next thing you know, he found it sounded like a really good deal. Even though they were going to be paying me less than Walmart, but I had been working at Walmart for seven years, and Walmart was paying me what, what seven, eight dollars an hour. You know, after working there for seven years, and my starting pay had been four dollars and seventy five cents, and so seven years later. And something cent an hour. Um, so, this other job was going to be paying $6 and something cent, but that was more of a chance for advancement, plus you can make bonuses and all that. So, I decided to put in my two weeks' notice. I think I put in a one week notice, but I decided to put in my notice, and my ex, you know, he applied for the job as well. We both got hired on to Tom Waller Kia. We, we both got hired on to Tom Waller Kia, and everything seemed to be going well. I was really excited, he was really excited, but after 13 days, they laid us off. Forgive me for, I feel like I'm taking a long route because I'm driving, but I'm going to try to keep it down, and I nine times out of 10 will have to do a part two of this because I'm going to get something to eat, so once I get into the checkout line, I'm not going to charge this and we order my food, and <laughs> that would just be weird, but we get to Tom Lake Kia, and you know, they laid us up after 13 days, so now we were in a house, both unemployed, like I had egg on my face because, you know, my friends, everybody was upsetting me for quitting. They were like, because their logic was that Walmart would never go out of business. But my logic was I don't want to work for Walmart for the rest of my life, and I'm glad to this day that I quit because it set me on a path to where I am right now. Long and one of those young ladies, or several of them, but one of them specifically, they used to yell at me and tell me Walmart's got to be mouse. She still works there. And this is like 20-something years later. And I'm not. I'm not. I, I, I admire her for keeping, you know, being consistent and working. What have But I'm just saying that when it comes to that kind of stuff, you gotta want more for yourself. Cause Walmart, like I said, I was working there for seven years, and all I was making was seven dollars an hour. Um, while we were unemployed, my ex came to me one day, and he said, "Tiff, let's go get food stamps." And I looked at him, and I said, "No." And he said, why? He said, because if we get food stamps, because we start getting unemployment. He said, you know, if we get food stamps, we should be okay, because the unemployment was going to last like six months, I think six months to a year. He said, if we get unemployment, we should be okay. Uh, he said, that should help us with the rent um, or what have you. You know, that's going to take care of it. He said, but, you know, so we can have food, he said, we get food stamps. Um, that, that should, you know, we should be all right. He said, I did the numbers and we should be all right. And I was like, no. And he said, why? Wow. I said, because I want us to be hungry. And he said, what? I said, I want us to be hungry. I don't want us to be okay. I want us to be hungry. And he was like, why? I said, because if we're sitting here and we're relying on them, then we're going to get lazy. And I said, we're going we're gonna to be sitting around the house, and we're going to want, you know, we're going to feel like the government needs to keep giving. You're going to be playing a video game up in there. I want to sit up there, and it's going to get to the point where we're not going to be accustomed to working. I just remember having that thought. And I saw I like, I had this, I won't say a vision, like a prophetic vision, but it was just this thought because he already had problems, addictions with the video games, and then me, I knew that that was an issue in my family, and I didn't want to fall into that trap. I didn't want to fall into it, so I said no. And honestly, it shocked me that he actually honored that because he wasn't the type of person that would give in or anything like that, but he honored that, and thankfully, just like I said, we got too hungry, so we were constantly searching that newspaper for a job and I ended up getting hired on at AT and T and AT and T started me off making like eight dollars and ninety five cents an hour. Even though I had left Walmart now and Walmart had been paying me like seven dollars or something. So AT and T was paying me more than Walmart and they were like within six months I well in three months I think I would get a a bonus and then within six months I was gonna get I was gonna be up to like eleven dollars an hour. And I ended up working at AT and T for seven years. Uh, My ex ended up getting hired at a flooring company, if I'm thinking right. And so everything went back well or what have you. I'm saying that to say, I was willing to go into a really difficult position because I realized something without realizing it. And that is, you are at your best when you're hungry. You are at your best when, you know, there's nobody handing you anything, when nobody's allowing you to feel like a victim, nobody's allowing you to make excuses, you are at your best at that particular time. And it's something similar to what my apostle says, is that, you know, God will put you in a difficult situation just so your gift, because your, you know, if you're a solution, your gifts only work in the midst of problems, because then you're forced to come up with solutions. But if you're just sitting there, because a lot of times people leave church,